I'm just excited to hear from you, man. So, uh, Aaron, the table is yours. Go for it. Thanks, Ryan. Um, just uh, great connecting with you always, buddy. And um, but I'm glad to be on this call today and, and hang out with a bunch of guys that are uh, um, doing what I do. You're just on the front lines of youth ministry, and you're doing it, you know, day in, day out, week in, week out. And um, that's what I love hanging out with youth pastors, especially guys that are just in the trenches doing it. Um, I've been uh, here as a youth pastor at this church. Uh, this is the only church actually I've ever been the youth pastor at. I've been been serving here. Uh, at this church since 2001, so 15 years at the same church in student ministry. And uh, what I wanted to talk about with small groups is something that we put in place um, probably 10 to 12 years ago and, and have really seen the fruit from, um, from the model of small groups that we've been working with and so excited to talk about it. And I'm able to kind of uh, give you some good perspective, hopefully, regardless of what size youth ministry you're in. Um, this is adaptable in any situation, and the longer you you put this model in place, uh, I think the more fruit that it has. Um, let me just say that um, the notes I'm going to be teaching from, I posted on my blog site, and so if you want to follow along because that's easier for you, uh, you can you can just jump on my blog. Um, my first name is spelled a little different. It's E-R-A-N. So uh, the website is E-R-A-N-H-O-L-T.org, Aaronholt.org. And if you click on the blog link there, you'll see two things. One is um, the notes for what we're going to talk about with small groups. And then the second is a link to um, just a Dropbox folder that I threw up there. And uh, it's got a ton of stuff in it, not just about small groups, but it's about, I don't know, it's about a, a gig and a half worth of just random stuff. Um, there's a bunch of sermon series in there. They're not all originals. Um, there's some stuff that we've, you know, downloaded from like Elevation or New Spring or whatever. Um, and there are some originals in there. And then um, there's a bunch of leadership training stuff in there that we've used with our leaders over the years and just some other random stuff. Um, and uh, as we talk about small groups and we talk about like putting together questions and stuff like that, you'll find some samples of that uh, in the sermon series folders uh, on that Dropbox link that I posted for you guys on the website. So enjoy all that, um, just all free stuff and um, stuff that uh, glad to pass on. Um, but let's talk small groups here just for a little bit again. I've been here for 15 years. I'm married. I got um, three kids. Uh, all three of my kids are in the youth ministry. Um, I got a senior, uh, a young, my son, who's our oldest, is going into our senior, uh, his senior year of school. And then I have two daughters, and uh, a ninth grader and a sixth grader. So I got all three of them in here. Uh, so this is the only year that I'll have all three in at the same time. So we're excited about that. Um, came to this church in 2001, and um, I. Um, I, I definitely, it was my first first time being a youth pastor, and, and uh, I had done some traveling as a youth evangelist before, prior to that, and um, so I, I, I think I started in youth ministry um, with the mentality of, I just need to have great sermons and great worship, and, and, if that, and that's all I need, and everything will just happen after that, and um, so I kind of just uh, started putting that kind of philosophy in place when I started, you know, in youth ministry here. And um, found out right away that I was way off on my my original philosophy. You know, great worship. You know, the media, the lights, the sound, all that stuff. Great preaching equals great youth ministry, and it just didn't work for us. Um, throw throw a big outreach in there a couple times a year, and hey, we'll reach tons of kids. And so I started to take some time early on, just you know, as I was building relationships with students, to ask them just a simple question: Why why are you involved? In, in ministry, why are you coming? You know, why are you, why are you here at Real Life? That's the name of our ministry. And over and over and over again, the answer that I would get back from students um, was friends, the number one answer, and then the second answer would be ownership. That, that was my word, but basically, basically they felt like they belonged. They felt a sense of ministry involvement. They needed to be here because they own this. And those are the two things that came back to me over and over again. Um, kids were not talking with me about the sermons are great or the worship experience is awesome or I love the trips and, you know, the different, you know, places that we go. No one talked about that. It was all about relationships. And so for me, that early on in youth ministry, that was just a real wake-up call, you know, in that whatever we were planning on a weekly basis had to be highly relational. The experience had to be highly relational. And if it wasn't, then kids were not going to connect. Um, and, and as I began to kind of get into my first couple years of youth ministry, I saw a trend where kids, when they would hit about 10th or 11th grade, or basically when they would hit about the age that they could either drive or their friends could drive, 
um, they, their attendance in youth ministry just plummeted. Some of them vanished altogether. Um, some of them, their attendance was spotty at best. And, and so it kind of took me back to my earlier question, which was, why are they coming? Well, they're coming because of relationships, um, or they're coming because they have a relationship with a, a, an adult, a spiritual mom or dad, or they have some level of ownership. And so we kind of set out at that point to say, okay, how can we create a, a weekly worship experience, a weekly environment that drives home those three things with our kids, relationships with our students, relationships with an adult, and, and some sort of ownership or ministry involvement. Um, and, and the longer you're in youth ministry, the more that you'll realize this. And for some of, some of us, we already know this. Some of you guys, you already know this, but just a reminder to you, um, you're only ever going to have um, personal capacity to have great relationships with about a dozen or so people or students at a time. And, and I, when I say great relationships, I mean really great in-depth relationships. And, um, and obviously I can't show you this because we're not on a video, but if, if you could just imagine, you know, if you're sitting there taking notes and you're with a pen and paper, I mean, draw a circle and, um, you know, put one dot in the middle um, and if you don't have small groups in your youth ministry, then, then basically that circle with one dot in the middle represents your model of ministry in that every relationship has to flow through that circle and that one dot that represents you. And so you are greatly limiting your ability to influence students if everything has to run through you when you're really limited to about a dozen or so meaningful relationships that you can have with students. But if you made that circle bigger and you added a whole bunch of dots in it, basically volunteers, small group leaders, volunteer pastors, um, I call them here all the time, spiritual moms and dads, um, now your, your success uh, is greatly enhanced. Your ability to influence is, is greatly enhanced because of, of the work that many people are doing and the relationships that many people are having. Um, I'll probably say this again later, but I'll just mention it now because it fits. I, I tell my small group leaders all the time here that my goal is that they remember them and not me. And when a student graduates from a ministry, the best thing that I ever hear when a student graduates is them talking about the relationship that they have with their small group leader. Um, I don't care if they're talking about sermons or trips or events or worship experiences as much as I care about and, and prioritize. I, I want them to be talking about how there was a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad that made uh, a huge difference in their life. So that's just a little bit of like vision and, and kind of set up philosophically how we got into this model of, of small groups. And it, it's nothing crazy unique. You're gonna, some of you are going to be like, oh, that's what I do, and maybe it's just a matter of tweaking a couple little things here or there. Um, but um, here's what we do. Let me just give you a kind of structure strategy. Here's kind of how we break it down. One of the first things that, that was very helpful for us was to write a win statement for why we did small groups. Um, if you've ever read Andy Stanley's book, um, the seven effective practices of ministry, um, you, then you're familiar with the phrase win statement. If, if you're not familiar with that phrase, I would highly encourage you to read that book. Um, everyone wants to know they're winning. Your small group leaders want to know that they're winning. At the end of a weekly small group session, I thought it was very important that my small groups could walk away knowing whether it was a win or whether it was a, a fail or a loss. Um, and so we, we worked together to write a win statement. Um, ours is, uh, is, is to create a loving and accepting family environment that encourages students in their spiritual journey. And um, we worked with our small group leaders in writing that, so they had ownership of it. But it was very important to us, the focus of this statement, because at the time, I had a lot of small group leaders who, who viewed their small group leadership as kind of like the new version of Sunday school. Um, if you've been around church for a while, you're familiar with that, you know, uh, the Sunday school teacher, and they get up and they teach. And I had so many of my small group leaders, that that's what they wanted to do in the small group. They wanted to teach or re-preach whatever my message was. Um, and that's not what I, we were looking for in small groups. We were, and we still are, we're looking for, first and foremost, a loving and accepting family environment. It's, it's a relational priority for us first um, that segues or back ends into spiritual conversations or spiritual journey. And that can be real important for the success or failure of your small groups or even the way you train and coach your leaders. If you're not clear on what your win is, then leaders are going to be confused and they will define the win for you or for their group. Uh, and now you're not unified 
in the sense that every small group leader is trying to accomplish the same thing in their small groups. You've got one guy who's trying to preach, and you have another lady over here who's trying to lay hands on everyone and, and get everybody in tears, and you have another person who just wants to hang out and have fun. Well, who's right? Who's the win? Well, we needed to write that. So this statement represents the number one goal uh, in our small groups. It's relationships for us. Um, and, and I would say to my leaders, never underestimate the power of relationships. Um, youth ministry is not, it's not about the production. Um, and, and obviously we all want to do that with excellence. We, we all want to be great communicators. We want to have great worship. We want to have great production and, and, and a great service and all that. But ultimately, for us, we've just chosen to say it's, it's really the priority is the small group experience. That, that has to be an amazing thing for them. Um, and so we're successful here when we know that we've connected kids into a small group experience. Uh, keep in mind, uh, especially as you're assimilating any new kids into, into youth ministry, uh, it's it's a process. It's a two to six week process, oftentimes, sometimes even longer. Especially if they're younger, uh, it can be an even a longer process for them to get connected into a small group. So consistency with your small groups weekly, and we'll talk about how we do that. And consistency with your small group leaders is very important in order to help kids get um, connected. Um, just another value statement for us. And then again, if you're following along the notes, you're seeing this. Um, we believe that life change happens best in the context of small groups. Um, and so that's where we want to see a lot of those life-changing conversations happen. That's not to say in our setting that we don't have, um, you know, sermons that end with prayer times and altar times and worship times. We absolutely do. Um, but we believe that, that real life change happens best in the context of, of a small group. Um, and one of the things I'm always preaching uh, to my staff and to our leaders is that, that a great small group experience is, is, is one of the only things that we can create here in youth ministry that kids can't get anywhere else. Um, and, and so I want you to think about it this way. Um, you know, you, you and I are always competing for the attention of students. Um, we are, we're always trying to pull more students, and we're trying to reach new students. We're trying to keep the students that we have. And we're competing. We're competing against everything that's happening in our world, social media, with media in general, with, with the local mall, with the local fun spots for kids to go, whatever it is all the school activities and sports and musicals and all that stuff, we're, we're ultimately competing against all that stuff. We're competing for students' attention, and we're competing for their time and their commitment to that. And so I can have the best worship, the best facility. I can have the best budget. I, I, can, I can have all the best of that stuff, but the reality is I'll never really be able to compete with what the world has to offer in those particular areas. I'm not going to be able to compete with the world's music. I'm not going to be able to compete even with their entertainment and the things that they have to offer. But I have something, on the other hand, that the world can't compete with. Number one, I've got Jesus. I've got a Savior. And so the world can't compete with what we have to offer through Christ. But I also have relationships that I can offer, healthy, holistic, authentic, genuine relationships, which is ultimately what we all want and what every student wants anyways. Um, so those two things, we need both. We need Jesus, but we need relationships as well. Those two things have to be the priority if, if, for you and for I, if you're going to have great small group experiences, and if you're offering those with excellence, then you're offering something the students can't get anywhere else. They can't get that kind of level of relationship and life change through Christ anywhere else. Um, I tell our leaders all the time, um, we'll, and after this section, we'll just jump into some of the practices of, of structure and how we do stuff. But I tell my leaders all the time um, that our responsibility is to build bridges of relationships that are strong enough to bear the weight of truth. You know, and, and you know, classic you know, youth ministry is, you know, the preacher's just going to get up there and we're just going to preach the truth and the truth sets people free and so let's just preach the truth. And, and a lot of adults, their motivation for working with teenagers is I just want to set them straight. I just want to tell them what the truth is. But I'm always encouraging our leaders to say, you know, until you build a relational bridge that can bear the weight of that truth, then that truth doesn't have anything to travel on from, you know, your heart to their heart. Um, the, my other phrase, and it's listed in your notes there as well, is... Uh, Kids won't talk with you about spiritual things until they know that they can talk with you about anything. And that's huge. Uh, that's especially huge if you are um, a male small group leader, you know, and you're working with, like, junior high boys, for instance. Like, you know, they're not – they're just not there yet. They're not, like, mentally developed enough to even have some of those conversations. And so I'm constantly encouraging my guy small group leaders, like, it's okay if your small group time is just completely relational it's okay because cause guys don't want to talk about spiritual stuff until, with you until they know that they can talk about anything with you. And so don't view, and, and again, it comes back to the win statement. 
I got leaders that are leaving the service and they feel like it was a failure because they didn't lead a kid to Christ in a small group or it's a failure because nobody had a prayer request or it's a failure because they didn't really have a good discussion about the sermon for that week. And I'm constantly saying to them, no, no, it's not a failure. You invested time. You invested in relationship. And that investment is going to pay off one day. And especially for guy leaders, I'll tell my guy leaders, a lot of times um, that investment isn't going to pay off until you guys get into like ninth or 10th grade and you've been with them for several years. So how do we get to that? Um, here, here's, our, here's, here's our structure. This is the way that we do it. Um, we made a commitment that um, small groups were going to be integrated into our worship experience every single week. And um, so in our youth ministry setting here, years ago when I first got here, we, we had youth services on Wednesday nights, um, which is pretty common. Um, that's changed for us in the last uh, four or five years. Um, we now have a youth facility here. It was uh, the old worship, uh, adult worship uh, sanctuary that was renovated for us, and so now we have access to that on Sunday mornings. We experimented. We can talk about this at another time or privately if you want to, but we experimented years ago with moving the youth ministry to Sunday mornings, and it has worked great in this context. Um, it might not work great in every context. It just works great in this one. Um, so we do youth ministries on Sunday mornings here, and, and so we've made a commitment that small groups were going to be a part of our Sunday morning or our weekly youth ministry experience every single week. Um, typically for us, that happens at the end of the service. I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in, in a minute, but small groups happen on a weekly basis for us. Um, our small groups are structured if you are in 6th through 8th grade, so that's junior high for us here. If you are 6th, 7th, or 8th grader, our small groups are grade-based and gender-based. So 6th grade boys go there, 7th grade girls go there, so on and so on. Um, if you are in ninth through 12th grade, um, our small groups are connection-based and gender-based. So it's a friendship connection, and it's gender-based. Um, there was a time for us years ago, and again, we've been in this model now for about 10 years or so, there was a time for us where we were grade-based, gender-based from 6th all the way through 12th grade. Our experience was that once a student hit about ninth or 10th grade, if they didn't feel a strong connection with their existing small group that they had been with for many years, if they didn't feel a connection with those friends or with that leader, um, the structure basically drove them out of our youth ministry because they felt like, well, there's no option for me to really connect with the friends that I want to connect with. And so I'm just going to leave. And so we, were, we started to lose some kids um, who didn't enjoy their small group experience. And so, so we tweaked our structure at that point. And so basically the way it works for us is that when a kid hits ninth grade, if they, um, if they, if they come to us and express that you know, they're just not connecting with their group, we'll let them try one of the other senior high groups in the same gender. And, um, and then once they find a group that, connects, um, that they feel connected with, we'll ask them to make a commitment for the school year just so they're not hopping around all over the place. Um, when our groups begin to average about, we try to put two leaders in every group, uh, two adult leaders. Um, when our groups average about 15 or more on a regular basis, um, we used to try to do the, the classic, well, let's, let's split the group and multiply. Um, that became problematic for us as well. So what we do now is we just add more leaders to the group. And um, our experience with that, and again, I, I'm just talking about our context. I'm not talking rights and wrongs here. Um, these, aren't, these aren't like black and whites for me. They're just like the way that it works for us. Um, but this is, this is our thought process. You know, you have a group. For instance, my wife is a small group leader. She probably has about 30-plus girls in her small group, and she has another leader or two leaders that work with her. The reason why her group has grown is because those girls want to be with one another and they want to be with my wife. And so for me to then go in and say, okay, we're going to take half of you and we're going to put you with a leader that you don't really want to be with, and we're also going to separate you from some of the friends you really want to be with, is damaging relationally to the group. And so, the, and so since the win for us is relationship, 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 we've chosen to just say, you know what? You're not really a small group anymore. You're more like a big group, but that's okay. So we're just going to keep putting more leaders in there, and then we're going to allow the leaders to manage the numbers. We're going to allow the leaders to manage the, the conversations, um, we're going to allow the leaders to, to say, oh, when we want to have this discussion, we're going to break into these four groups of five or, or these four groups of seven or whatever, however it works, um, so that you know, they can have smaller discussions where everyone gets a chance to talk and be highly engaged in the discussion versus you know, a large group setting where a lot of kids feel like, oh, I don't have the personality to really step up and talk. So we just throw more leaders at it. We just keep on throwing more leaders at it. 
Um, that's also really great for leadership training, which we we can hit that here in a minute. Um, this is this is number four in your notes if you're following along. And this is probably one of the biggest things about our structure that has has been a huge win for us. Um, our small group leaders and 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 small group students follow a graduated system. Um, and so what that basically means is that students and leaders are graduating up from one grade to the next every year. So I'm a sixth grade guys leader. Now I'm a seventh grade guys leader. Now I'm an eighth grade guys leader. And we just keep on going up and up and up with it. Um, this is so important because you've got to think with the end in mind. The, the long-term goal for us is that every single student has had an adult leader that has journeyed with them for multiple years. The dream goal for us is that you started in youth ministry as a sixth grader, if you graduated up from, youth, uh, from children's ministry here. The dream goal for us is that if you started as a sixth grader, that when you graduated as a 12th grader, you had the same small group leader for all of those years. And I've seen that happen now. Um, you know, been doing youth ministry here at this church long enough to have seen that happen many times over. I could tell you about uh, Liz, Miss Liz, who, who, walked, who walked about a dozen girls from sixth grade all the way through high school graduation. All of those girls are now getting ready to graduate college, and they still go over to her house for sleepovers and hang out with her. Um, I could tell you about Dan, who graduated, who came in and took a group of ninth graders and saw them all the way through to graduation and, just, and calls Almost every one of those boys, now they're all, they're all like sophomores and juniors and, and seniors in high school, he calls almost every one of those boys once a week on one of his commutes to work, even though he's not, he's not even serving in youth ministry anymore, but he still has a relationship with them. Um, my wife, my wife just took, um, you know, about a dozen girls from ninth grade all the way through to high school graduation, um, and she's, every, every morning she's texting all of those girls that have just graduated and helping them as they transition into college. So that's the ultimate dream goal for us. So how do we do that on a practical side? If you're a brand-new leader coming on board, I ask you for a one-year commitment. If you're a brand-new leader, a one-school-year commitment. And, um, and then I will put you in as an assistant leader. So you're not leading your own group to start. I'll put you in as an assistant leader somewhere in the age range that you feel is a good uh, match for you, obviously matching gender as well. Um, but then I'll tell leaders right up front, and I'll cast vision to them right up front, and I'll say to them, hey, our, we, we're asking for one-year commitment because we want consistency, but, but our, we want you to know how we're going to be praying for you during that year. We're going to be praying that you so fall in love with those students that next year when those students graduate up, you graduate up with them, and then it happens again the year after that and the year after that. And, and if you, you create that sort of culture, it takes time, and that's why you know the longevity is important in, in ministry because it takes time to create that. But if you create that kind of culture, you'll be amazed at what happens. So uh, I'll give you a couple more examples. I've got a small group leader now whose name is Joe. Uh, the first thing that Joe ever did in serving a ministry in this church was sign up to be a sixth grade guys leader. I, I do not know what that man was thinking, sixth grade boys, <laughs> but that's what he signed up for. And um, he was with them for one year, signed up for another year. And after his seventh grade year, he came to us and he, he said to us, I want you to know I'll be with these boys until they graduate. They're now all finishing their ninth grade year. About a half dozen of his boys went on an overseas mission trip this past year. He's funded some of them to go on trips. Um, and, and now, and, and his first two or three years were very hard. He would come to me all the time just kind of like eyes bugging out of his head, like I, I can't get my guys to talk about anything. And I just kept saying, it's okay, man. They're not going to talk to you about spiritual things until they talk to you about anything. Bring a football. Bring some food. Have some fun. Talk about girls. Whatever works, just have fun. You know, have relationship time with them. Now, he, in the last half year, all of his boys have opened up to him that they're all struggling with pornography. And so now I've actually given him some, some um, curriculum from Triple X Church, and he's basically working with these boys and helping them overcome their addiction and walking this through with them. And, and, and he's at that level now as they're hitting their 10th grade year. And so that investment is huge. And, he, and, and those boys are going to remember him. They're not going to remember me. They're not going to remember my sermons, trips, events. Um, they might remember those things, but that's not what they're going to talk about. They're going to talk about Joe. Talk about Joe, who, who made a difference in their life. Uh, I'll give you one more example. Uh, I got a guy, a small group leader right now with seventh grade boys. His name is Marshall. Marshall's a boxer. He runs a local gym, um, teaches boys all the time how to box and everything. Marshall signed up to be a small group leader with third grade boys in our children's ministry. 
decided to graduate up with third grade boys. They became fourth. They became fifth. When his boys were graduating from fifth to sixth, Marshall told his boys, hey, boys, it's been great. I love you. I'm going to go back and take another group of third graders. His fifth grade boys twisted his arm and begged him and said, no, Mr. Marshall, you got to come with us. And now he's been with these boys, and now they're just fin- they just finished their seventh grade year. Marshall's is saying, I'll, fin- I'll be with these boys until they graduate. And so just think about, like, the legacy of that and the impact that he's going to make in their life. Those boys are going to graduate from high school, and Mr. Marshall will have been a part of, like, almost 10-plus years of their life as a small group leader. Um, that relational impact is, is huge. And so that's ultimately the, the long-term goal that, that we're looking uh, at getting at. And if you, if you look at any of the statistics of what's happened in our country today, and you know this because you see it as a youth pastor week in, week out, um, you know how many kids in your youth ministry come from broken families or come from dysfunctional families or they don't have a dad or they don't have a mom and they're in a single family situation or, or even the kids that do have a family that's intact, but you know that that family is very dysfunctional. And uh, so that's where my heart as youth pastor over the years has grown where I've just said, man, I, I want to raise up spiritual moms and dads to help fill the gap for what kids are not getting in their home. Um, and so we preach that, and we, cre- we work hard to create that culture here in our youth ministry. Um, here in our setting, because I've been here long enough to see this, every year when we graduate kids from our youth ministry, every year that we have a strong graduating class, it's because there were strong small group leaders that were with those kids for usually four years or more. Every time I hit a class that's a really weak class, not just numerically, but just weak in the level of students and the student leadership and their involvement and things like that, I look at those kids and I, say, I, I immediately can just see it's because they didn't have a solid small group leader because they had four or five different small group leaders or the, you know, or the leader they had wasn't a good leader. And so that makes a huge difference um, in the life of a kid. Um, I, I'll give you one quote, and this is from uh, Mark DeVry's book, um, Family-Based Youth Ministry. Um, and he says this. He says, research has proven again and again that from project to penthouse, the crucial factor for kids who make it to maturity, not just Christian maturity, but maturity in general, is the presence of at least one supportive adult. And those who make it to Christian maturity almost always have what I call an extended family of godly adults in their life. And when a youth program fails to provide relational connections between students and godly adults, it fails in its fundamental mission. Um, and so I read that, and boy, that's, that's challenging to me, you know, because, again, I can preach great sermons and I can have great production and worship and great events and activities and fun outreaches and all that kind of stuff. But if, but if kids are not getting a spiritual mom and dad in their life, then, I, then I'm failing um, at my uh, funda, fundamental mission. Um, let me give you a couple more just basic things here. I'm going to fly through um, just some of the notes. And again, they're all listed on the website, but I want to save some time for Q&A at the end because um, some of you might want to try to con- uh, need to contextualize some of these ideas or thoughts into your setting, and I'd love to help you do that. Um, so our small group strategy um, consists of the following essentials. Um, every small group time, every time we get together as a small group, there's a family environment that we're trying to create. A relational connection is the number one priority. And then we are trying to do some spiritual application. Um, typically, again, girls, girls groups, spiritual application usually comes a little bit easier. You just ask a couple good questions, and you know, they're ready to talk. For guys, again, you're always encouraging guy leaders to make the investment, make the investment relationally. You might feel like you're trading off some years, but you're not trading off years. You're, you're investing in those years, and you'll get to the conversations you want to um, down the road. Um, so uh, how do we do it? Just kind of in our context, basic stuff here. So um, typically for us, our small groups run at the end of a service. Uh, we have an hour and 30-minute service. The last uh, anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes is given every single week to small groups. If our small group session is at the end of the service, then we have prepared small group questions that, that correlate along with um, um, whatever the uh, message was for the day or the sermon series that we're in. Um, you'll see some of those examples in the Dropbox uh, link that uh, I posted up on our website. Um, you can kind of look over those. What I say to my leaders every single week is, these questions are here for you as a guide. Follow the life of the group. If the life is in these questions and it's in having a discussion about what was preached today, then follow the life. If the life isn't there, then do what you have to do as a leader to create a great small group experience, something that's relational, something that's fun, something that makes kids feel like they're family, they belong, 
and ultimately something that makes kids feel like they want to come back. Um, and so we do that. Um, uh, we provide that every single week. We'll, we'll send those questions out usually a couple days in advance. We'll have hard copies of them here. Um, we will do a pre-service uh, quick little huddle meeting with all of our leaders. We'll pray together with them. We'll give them a little pep talk, maybe an encouraging practical training tip on being a small group leader. We'll give them their questions, give them a rundown of a sermon, and then we send them off. And so that's what small groups look like for us. Typically on a weekly basis, that happens at the end of every single service. Sometimes we'll choose to do small groups in the middle of the service. Um, sometimes that can be because of a certain sermon series that's really driving towards response and prayer time at the end, and so we want to focus on that at the end of a message. Sometimes we'll do that because we have a guest speaker in, and we want to give them more time to speak and end the service the way that they would like to. Plus, we don't know what they're preaching about, so we can't really prepare questions. So sometimes we'll do them in the middle of the service, and so usually that will be a, small, a shorter small group time for us. So that might be like a 10-minute window or 15-minute window. And what we'll do on those weeks is um, we'll prepare like icebreaker-type questions, fun and games. Sometimes we'll just go out and buy snacks for everybody, just give them something fun to do. But again, it's, it's relationships. And so that's important to us, and that's a huge value for us. And so we don't feel like that's a loss for us if a kid doesn't have a spiritual conversation in their small group. It's a win for us if uh, leaders and students are building relationships. Um, with one another. Um, let me finish up with um, just some of the training stuff that we do um, under recruiting. Again, if you're following along in the notes, um, it's important for you to identify what the ideal small group leader looks like. You know, so I'm looking for someone that loves students, the ability to connect with students, that love God, somebody that has time, and that's important. I'm very clear with my small group leaders up front. I'm very clear with them what the time commitment is. Um, and I tell them up front, like, listen, I know I'm asking for a big commitment. I'm asking for you to be here every single week. And I know that's a big commitment, but, but there's, there's no way you're going to successfully build a relationship with students if you're not in their lives, at least on a weekly basis. And with that, I'm also asking for, student, for small group leaders to um, invest some of their time in some of our weekend retreats and some of our experiences uh, that way. Um, because that's important. Any time we do a weekend retreat, um, Anytime we do it, it's always small group based for us. So our, our biggest retreat of the year is coming up in a month. It's our back to school retreat. It's at the beach. We call it road trip. It, the entire weekend is a small group experience for us. And so I tell my leaders months, years in advance what the dates are, and I tell them if there's one weekend, then I need you to give me the whole weekend. This is the weekend. And when I say everything is small group based, it's like you're with your small group, the moment you register, when you get on the bus, when you're eating at, 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 at you know, any of the meals in the dorm room that you're in, sitting in the services, playing games together, hanging out on the beach, it is, it is small group, small group, small group, small group. Um, we've never brought in a guest speaker for that weekend because we want to write all of our own messages so we can write all of our own small group experiences to go along with it. Um, and it's just because we're, that's the priority for us is to be, to be together as a family and for students to you know, build relationships with one another and build relationships with their small group leaders. So um, that takes time, and so you, you have to have that as a small group leader. Um, I encourage my existing leaders to recruit their friends. You know, sharp people hang out with sharp people. So if you have a great small group leader, they're probably going to have other great people around them that you can recruit. Training-wise, um, I do a lot of training with our small group leaders. Um, I'm, I don't train them how to be Bible teachers. I don't want them to be Bible teachers. I train them how to connect with kids. I train them how to get other kids talking. Uh, I tell my leaders all the time, if you're doing all the talking, then no one is connecting. Um, uh, we, have, we have some coaches that will coach our leaders on a consistent basis, just kind of looking. A lot of times it's us pastors that are doing that. Um, and then all of our leaders, when they come in, one of the best ways that we train them is we just let them shadow. And so we'll take a new leader and we'll put them, even if they're not going to stick in that particular group, we'll put a new leader with one of our best um, and most established small group leaders and let them shadow there for several weeks or sometimes several months until that leader is ready to kind of have some more leadership on their own. Um, so there's some other stuff there in the notes, and um, I, don't, I don't want to take any more time teaching because I'd rather just kind of dialogue with those of you that are still listening and kind of answer any questions. Um, but um, that's kind of just gives you like a download of a ton of stuff that we do with small groups and uh, some of the important philosophy and the longevity that we're looking for out of our small group leaders and what some of our goals and vision is for it. So, uh, Ryan, I'm going to turn it back over to you, and um, let's do some Q&A. 
Yeah, man, Aaron, that was awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, guys, if you have a question, go ahead and hit star six. That will get you uh, your line opened up. I know a lot of you guys are driving and, and, and at coffee shops, things like that, so you may not be able to uh, jump in. But if you can, hit star six. That will get you um, – in there to to ask a question, but uh, Aaron, thank you so much for. Um, sorry, guys, go ahead and hit star six now. Now, now it's oh, it's open. Sorry about that. So star six to get in there to ask a question. So, but Aaron, thank you so much. Uh, man, that was that was awesome. Uh, do you, I have a, qu- a couple questions for you to get this thing started? Uh, one is, do you have leaders that are there that are not also small group leaders or is that just one and the same for you yeah i do um you know i'll have leaders that are doing guest services doing security doing media um, playing in the bands you know whatever um so um i i kind of in a broader spectrum if if um if if a person is not going to be a good small group leader then i don't want to try to make them a small group leader um because that does more harm than good I, I want great small group leaders, and um, if you're not going to be a great small group leader, then I will find another place for you to serve in ministry um, where you can thrive rather than stick you in a small group. Um, I've made some mistakes in the past with that where I've just taken people and put them in as small group leaders, and I've watched the group suffer or the kids suffer, or basically all the kids leave the group to go be a part of another group because they just didn't connect. So I think it's important that you differentiate between those two some people are just not going to be good small group leaders, but they have a they can serve in other areas and be highly effective in doing that and still be a great youth leader per se, but just not that person who's like I'm leading a small group and I'm I'm a great role model for these young men or these young women. Yeah, that's great. So so really uh, as a small group leader, your main focus is just that small group and then you get a lot it. of those other responsibilities like yeah. check in and all that kind yeah. of set up by just other leaders. Now I'm assuming yeah, a different level of commitment for them as well. Um, yeah, if you're a small group leader, I'm looking for you to be there every week. If you're serving in one of those other areas, then you know you tell me what you can do. If it's weekly or biweekly or once a month or whatever it is, those are a lot easier for you know you just schedule people to do that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I want small group leaders just to be small groups leaders. That's it. I don't want you to be tasked with doing a ton of other stuff. Uh, I want you to be great at building relationships with kids. So, you know, we ask them to show up 30 minutes before service. We do like a 15-minute meeting with them, and then I'm like, go get out of here and go hang out with your kids. Go be a small group leader. Go build relationships, you know. Um, yeah. give, them one, give them one thing to do and, 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 and give them the time to do it great rather than, you know, to put a ton of stuff on them that they have to get done and they can't build relationships with kids. Yeah, that, that's great. All right, let's go ahead and get to uh, our first question. I believe uh, this first one is Russ. Yes, sir. Hey, Russ, how you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. Uh, I had a question for you kind of based on uh, gender-based small groups. Uh, I'm kind of jumping down in your notes that are on your blog a little bit, seeing that you talk about some of this a little bit. Um, You know, we are actually getting ready at our church to launch our student ministry uh, here in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we just really believe that small groups are are the foundation. And so, you know, our, our model is that of, uh, student small groups right now meeting every other week, and then the eventual goal is to have like one big, huge uh, service type of event every quarter um, where all the groups come together and party and there's a message and all that good stuff. But I wanted to ask you specifically about gender-based groups because, um, you know, I, I know this uh, out of my own personal life. When I, when I got saved, I was invited to church by a girl, <laughs> by a girl that I had a crush on. And, uh, and so, you know, there is that dynamic of, um, figuring out how to navigate if, if we want to eventually get to the gender-based model. Um, I guess my question is, how do, you, how do you navigate stuff like that? Like, how do, you, how do you ensure that a kid that was invited by the opposite sex uh, feels connected in, in these types of small groups? Right. Um, we did it for a while with senior hires where we allowed uh, mixed genders, you know, and... Um, um, just my experience, and again, it might not be yours. My experience was um, girls wanted to have serious conversations, but the guys wanted to goof off and try to impress the girls, and so it just it it just was it just we just defeated ourselves. We just it just wasn't a healthy situation, and and um, so we eventually moved into a gender-based model. 
so that we could really kind of allow, initially allow the girls to have more serious discussions that they wanted to. And if the guys wanted to goof off, it was cool because they're building relationships with one another. So if you want to move into it, um, it's pretty easy with junior hires, you know, because they're just of the age where you just tell them, hey, you're, this is where you go, and they just kind of go, and they just kind of follow. With senior hires, it can be a little bit more challenging, um, you know, because in, your, in the scenario that you set out there, you know, you have a girl who invited a guy to come, and, and they want to connect. So what you're going to need is you're going to need to have some really strong, in, in your scenario, you're going to need to have some really strong male leadership and some really strong male student leadership to, to jump in and, and make that guy, for instance, feel welcome. Um, once you create the culture where everyone in youth ministry knows this is just how we do small groups, that helps because then that girl, when she invites that guy to come, she's going to tell him, hey, when we do small groups, you're going, you're going to go that direction, I'm going this direction. Um, but one of the things that we work on a lot, and just this ha- for us this happens even before the service starts, if you're a brand-new student, you know, if, if a girl brings a guy and they show up, um, they're going to go – they're going to hit our, our guest welcome spot before they ever even get into the service. Um, and during that time frame, our student leaders that are working that, that ministry every week, um, they already know that guy – they know what small group he's going to be going to or which, which, what his choices are if he's a senior high student. Um, and so what we do – is right before, before small groups even happen, um, before the service even starts sometimes, is um, we are already trying to find a guy to connect with that new guy, kind of make a friendship, build a bridge, so that it's not so awkward for him when he gets split away from the girl that brought him, or vice versa. It all works you know, the opposite way as well. So we're trying to create that from the beginning uh, of the service, that they know that that's coming. And then when we dismiss the small groups, um, we, all, we always dismiss with the same announcement. We basically say, you know, if, if you're new here at Real Life and you're not exactly a short, small group, you should be in, um, come and see this person or go this direction, and we'll help you get to a right, the right group. And that kind of helps us to um, get kids into the right direction. So I think it's a cultural thing. It's going to take some time. You're going to have some kids who might uh, kind of balk against it at first. But if you see bigger long-term value in, in following that model, then eventually you'll, you'll stick with it, and the culture will be strong enough. Um, that you'll be able to overcome some of those awkward moments. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Let's go to uh, our next caller, area code 504. Hello? Go ahead. You're on. on. Go for it. Yeah. Um, How you doing, brother? Uh, I was going to ask if – what about, like, parents of uh, students, if you want them to be small group leaders, would you advise that they take on, um, like, a youth group with their kids in them? Um, I've got uh, middle schoolers coming in now and, and parents that want to be involved in the youth ministry that want to be part of a small group leadership, and, and uh, I, I don't know whether to keep them with their parents. We're, we're transitioning into small groups. That's what I'm asking. Um, yeah, I've, I I uh... – I've done. I did that once, and it, and it turned out bad for me. <laughs> okay. Um, I use parents. I use a ton of parents, and so when a parent comes to me and they say we want to be a small group leader, one of the first things I'll say to them is, um, I, "We will not permit you to be a small group leader of your own son or daughter." So we want you to know that up front, so that if you know if that changes your mind of being a small group leader, then let's talk about it now. But. Um, we just basically said we're not doing that anymore because I just I had parents you know they're like helicopter moms and they just want to come in and hover over their kid and they're ruining the whole small group experience not just for their daughter that was my situation it was a, it was a mom um, she not only ruined the whole experience for their daughter but she ruined it for the whole group and eventually we had to pull her out and so it's a whole lot easier to say no up front than it is to allow the small group leader to be in there for several months and then try to make the change so my experience would say, no, don't do that. <laughs> okay, great, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I, those are not fun conversations to have, I'm sure. No. Uh, hey, Aaron. And I'll just say, uh, you know, Ryan, that's one of the hardest things you ever have to do with this model. Um, I have a small group leader right now that we need to remove, and he's been with his boys for several years. 
but he's, he's doing it. He's honestly just doing a terrible job and he's losing boys left and right. And by the time these boys graduate from high school, they're all going to be gone. And that's, that's hard. It's hard leadership conversation, but sometimes you have to do it because you you've got to do what's best for the kids. Yeah, that's, so describe that. I mean, just what? So you said that the people are, are leaving, that kind of thing. I mean, just so what yeah, that conversation I mean, look like? Right. A couple of years ago, he had like twenty boys in his group, and now now he has like five. You know, and so some of them have left and gone to other groups, and some of them have just left the youth ministry in general because they just they don't like their small group leader and their small group experience, and so that again. Everything else we offer, it goes back to what I said in the training, everything else we offer, they can get somewhere else. They can get great music. They can get entertainment. They can get all that stuff somewhere else. Um, and so these are classic kids that I talked about that by the time their friends drive or they drive, they're hitting the road because, you know, we're not offering something that really meets a need for them. So sometimes that's where coaching small group leaders well comes into play, and that's where really um, – like paying attention to what's happening in a group and paying attention to the group size and numbers and dynamics is so important. And so sometimes you have to, you have to step into groups and you have to, um, sometimes you can make it work by adding more leaders to the group because the newer leaders can do better. And sometimes you just have to have some hard conversations with people and tell them, you know, we need to make a change in this group. And so that's one that we're in right now where, you know, we're starting to have some hard conversations with this young man. He's a good guy. Um, but he's just not he's just not able to connect with the boys anymore. He was able to do it when they were younger, but now that they're older, he just can't connect with them and so we gotta step in and make some changes there. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Hey, we've got a couple more minutes. Uh Aaron, real quick, I know you you really have done some teaching with your adult parents, not just your adult leader, but your parents also, just about some of the things, and you are a parent of teenagers. Uh, and when we was out there last time, we had talked about some of the things you talked to them about, just helping their kids with the internet um, and how to kind of keep their house safe. Um, you could maybe speak a couple of things into into that, what you've talked to them about, and some of the suggestions you you and I shared when we were together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm passionate about that because I got to deal with that with my own kids, but. Um, you know, a lot of parents are just, um, I don't know if they're, some of them are just clueless and some of them are just not paying attention to what's happening on social media or, or, or basically they're not understanding the power of the cell phone the moment that they put it into their kids' hands. And so uh, I've tried to really stay on top of great resources to, you know, hand off to parents and to um, just give them stuff that's going to equip them in that way. Um, one of them, um, my gosh, it's, you might rem- you might know off the top of your head what it is, but it was produced by the same guys from Triple X Church. Um, they they've got like a really great website with a lot of resources on it for parents. Um, it's Craig, Craig Gross. It's the same guy, and um, so you guys can find it there. Um, another another one that I recommend to parents all the time is actually a device that you can buy for your house called the Circle, and um, there's a couple of them out now, too. There's another one called Torch, I think, but but we have a circle in my house, and it allows you to basically monitor and control, set time limits and set filters for all of your kids' devices um, before it even gets to their device. So it's kind of like a filtering solution that is not on the actual device, but it's actually on your home network or on your home Wi-Fi. And so that thing is brilliant, and it's not that expensive, which is great. That's called the circle. Um, but I would encourage you, as a youth pastor, any opportunity that you have when you're meeting with parents to, to throw them resources, throw them cell phone contract samples that they can use for when they're giving their kids a cell phone and talk to them about social media, talk to them about just the dangers that are out there, talk to them about some of the platforms that, you know, Snapchat and what that could mean for a kid and, you know, when is the right time and not the right time, you know, to use you know, allow your kids with social media and Instagram, you know, all the different ones that are popular right now. Um, I, I, I tell parents all the time, like, you need to educate yourself, and then you do need to allow your son or daughter to have a cell phone and to be involved with social media because that, that's your window of opportunity as a parent. While your kid is a teenager, that's your window to help your kid learn how to manage it correctly. And so if you go too far to the extreme of I'm going to keep my kid away from all that stuff until they're out of high school, then it's just going to be some freshman in college that's going to show them everything, and that's not what you're going to want. So it's, it's, it's going to be easier for you as a parent 
to form your kids' thinking rather than reform their thinking because someone else, you know, taught them something else. You know, it's going to be easier for you to create the right culture than you want than to have to work against some bad habits that have already started. And um, so, I don't know. Is that was that what you were thinking, Ryan? Absolutely. And, okay. And uh, the website for that is meetcircle.com. That's meetcircle.com. If you want to look that up, um, I just know, uh, man, that that was just so. I had never even heard of things like that that were out there um, because I'm just on the edge of getting into that right now with my own family. Uh, But, yeah, yeah, as a youth pastor, we're we're responsible to help parents think through those things and and know about those. And and so that's meetcircle.com. That'll help, uh, you know, limit the Wi-Fi access and and, um, allow them. I think Aaron was even saying that, like, at – I don't remember what it was, but like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, like the router's shut off and their kids can't even get onto the Wi-Fi yeah. And, yeah. and things like that. The other one I was, the one by Craig Gross is iParent.tv. I just searched for it and found it. Um, and it's kind of a blog site, but he's got a lot of great stuff on it and there's some devices and filters and just different things like that, but kind of educate um, parents a little bit on some of the different things. Yeah, um, that's yeah. that's super helpful. Aaron, man, thank you so much for your time. Um, and that was very helpful. There's, and again, on his blo- in his blog there, uh, AaronHolt.org, uh, he put a link to a Dropbox that just has a ton, a ton, of ton of uh, content, um, and so we're so thankful yeah. for that, man. Um, and uh, you guys, and go my ahead email and address, all my all my contact information is there on the on the website too. So you know, if, if there's any uh, further questions, I'd love to dialogue, man. I'd uh, love yeah. to be a resource if I can. Thank you. Thanks, man. Again, uh, you guys, we've got a couple weeks before we start uh, our new semester. If you guys have any students that uh, might be interested, uh, we would love to talk to them, but it would need to be in the next couple of days because we start very, very soon. Uh, also, mark your calendars next month, August 25th. We'll be talking about mapping out a year of ministry planning events and sermons and all that kind of stuff. And then also we'll be putting up a survey that we'd love for each one of you guys to fill out. Uh, we're coming up to the year anniversary of the roundtable, and we'd just love to, to, to know how we can serve you better, guest speaker uh, advice and suggestions, topics that you'd love to hear. We want to serve you. We don't want to just talk about whatever we feel like. We want to talk about what you need and want to talk about. So please take some time there and uh, fill that out. We'll be uh, emailing you guys out all that information. Man, thank you guys so much for joining us this month. Uh, it's been a great one, and I hope it's been really uh, fruitful and beneficial to you guys. So have a great day, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next month.